Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Good morning, family. It's good to be here today, get to share with you. I'm going to get an opportunity to share some of mine and Lord's testimony with life. And uh, it's, just, it's just good to be with everybody. Well, this morning, as Pastor Wanderson said, let's clear our minds and let's get ready for this teaching. This teaching is on the five heavenly crowns and our eternal rewards. And I want you to keep in mind that these rewards are not given to us just because we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It isn't something we just get when we get to heaven. These rewards are awarded to us for our service to God in serving people along the way of this life that we live. Amen? So we're studying that. Now, when I was asked to teach this class at the time, the Summer Olympics were going on. They were in full swing. And I couldn't help to think about the dedication that those athletes have to compete in those games. Many of them have spent their entire life preparing themselves for that moment in the spotlight. And it always reminds me of the story that Paul shared from the Bible where in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25 through 27, he talked about the Olympic athletes of their day and about their sacrifice. He used it as a metaphor for us to examine ourselves living our life where we dedicate ourselves to God, we persevere, we press through, we, we do those things to receive an imperishable reward and not like those athletes of the day where they got an, uh, uh, a perishable. They were, would receive this crown of vines and, and, of course, we know that over time, if you've got a pretty rose that you took from something that was a memory within a matter of months or a year, that little rose that was at one time vibrant at that moment is now dried up and dead. It's brittle. You've got to be careful the way you handle it. So here's what um, also I wanted us to think about this is that last year for Rosh Hashanah, Pastor Larry taught on these crowns. And the reason these crowns are significant for us, especially in this season, we're in the month of Elul, the blowing of the shofar, a time that we should examine our hearts. It's a warning. You know how pastor says, hey, listen, the shofar is blowing. Let's examine ourselves. Let's, let's get ourselves right. Let's, let's do the deeds we need to do. Let's get ourselves set. So when we go into the new year, we receive the fullness of God's blessing in our life. But also, the season of Rosh Hashanah is the season where the rapture could take place in that window. And pastor has taught us that the moment we're raptured, we will be standing in line to go before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We go before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, that seat is called the Bema. The big Greek Colosseums had a chair. It was called the Bema. And that's where the judge would come and sit, not to judge the athletes, but to give the athletes the reward. So 
there's going to be a time. It's coming. If you believe, we will go and stand before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and receive our eternal awards. There are the five. Now, I want to read this to you. This is a quote. The crowns deal with the different aspects of the Christian life. The crowns represent different aspects of our life living for the Lord. They reflect the levels of maturity in regards to our growth, our accomplishments, and our service. So let's begin to take a look at the crowns. Our first crown, and this is, and, and the way I'm teaching this is exactly the same form that pastor teaches them. The first crown is a victor's crown. The second crown is the crown of rejoicing. The third crown will be the crown of righteousness. The fourth crown is the crown of life. And the fifth is a crown of glory. So our first crown to look at is the victor's crown or the incorruptible crown. This crown represents one who overcomes sin and leads a Christian life. Let me read the writing of Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.25. It says, everyone who competes for a prize is temperate. Temperate is showing moderation or self-restriction. They show temperance in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. Now he's talking about the athlete. This is a metaphor. But we, you, 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 we do it for an imperishable crown. He says in 26, verse 26, he says, therefore I run thus not with uncertainty. No, we run with a purpose. We run with purpose. We are running the race to receive this crown. It goes on, and thus I fight not as one beating the air. No, we do not just get out there and just go about. We are focused in what we're doing. So we have a purpose and a focus to accomplish the will of God to receive this victor's crown. So the person who overcomes the sin and leads a Christian life is one who has self-control. Now I ask the Lord, help me see self-control in action. And what he showed me was that it's one who wins the battlefield of the mind of the will, mind, and emotion, or mind, will, and emotion. That is controlling our soul man. That is being able to capture every thought that is not of God. That is being able to uh, be able to, I heard this quote. Weak people get revenge. Faith people forgive. But people that are wise and full of faith, they ignore. They just go by. They just go past it. They don't let it even attach to them. So that's part of the self-control that this believer has. Also, he is self-disciplined. Pastor really pressed this, this, this discipline uh, aspect that morning that he taught this message. And this is a quote that he shared. Self-discipline is the ability to do what you should do, when you should do it, whether you feel like doing it or not. Amen? 
I'm going to give you a little simple scenario here, and this may seem funny. But when you come out of the grocery store with your grocery store basket, and it's full of groceries, and you had to park at Walmart way down at the end of the, the rows, when you get done loading everything, do you walk your basket back up to the store, or do you push that basket over to the basket rack? I see people all the time that just kind of pushes it up against somebody else's car or puts it over on the curb. Come on. We got to do what we need to do even when we don't feel like doing it. We got to do it. And that's simple. But that, that, that speaks also about who we are and our integrity. It speaks about do we want to live a life of excellence? Do we want our reward to sparkle? even as we stand here today speaking to one another. Because these rewards, as Pastor says, they're just a shadow. Our life represents a shadow. It'll be the real thing when we stand there before Jesus Christ at the Bema Seat, amen? So self-discipline, self-discipline is a life of prayer. It's a life of tithing. It's a life of going to church on a regular basis. Pastor said that morning that there's times when he gets up And he's supposed to speak, but he doesn't feel like going. There's many times we just don't feel like going. But you know what? We do. We do go. We do because we know that we know it's important. And it's an important part of our life. Because we want to walk in victory. We want to overcome the enemy. We want to have the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony flowing from our lips. Being able to overcome and be more than a conqueror. And being more of a conqueror is even more so in some of these other crowns that I'm teaching. Self-discipline does not look like one who gossips, backbites. He is one that he does what he says he's going to do. Amen? The victor's crown. When we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, let Jesus find us to be blameless, honorable, respected, and noble. We stand before him as being guiltless because we gave everything we had to serve him. Let us be found honorable by doing his will every time, even when we didn't feel like it. Let us be respected. We have a great reputation. I can't think but the help of Galatians 4.9. To know God is to be known by God. What is your reputation before God? And the last is the noble. We know that we are an heir to the King of kings and the lords of lords. We are children of the God most high. And as we stand before him, and we apply these very things to our life, when we stand there, we know that we've received a victor's crown. Crown number two. This is a crown of rejoicing. It's also known as a soul winner's crown. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. The word says, What gives us hope and joy? And what is our, pride, our proud reward and crown? What is it? It is you. It is you. Yes, it is you. You will bring us much joy. Now, this is Paul speaking to the Thessalonians. This will bring us much joy as we stand together before the Lord and Savior.
This crown represents us working to lead others to Christ. It also represents us doing good for others and what we've done for others. It's the sharing the joy of the Lord. When I wrote that, the person that came to my mind is Miss Yvette. Do you guys know Miss Yvette that comes in here? She is full of the joy of the Lord. She is a representation of that. My heart wells up when I get to spend time with her because, I mean, I get kind of emotional about it because she is such a beautiful person. All of you are beautiful, but she has just this special joy in her that nothing gets to her. Amen? This crown represents us influencing others towards righteousness, teaching them to be set apart and made holy before God or for, and for God's use because that's what these crowns are, are about. It's us being used by God in serving the kingdom of heaven through this walk in life. Pastor shares this story and he shared this story during Rosh Hashanah last year. And uh, the way the story goes, and I'm just going by memory, is that um, he was three days in the Lord. And there was a gentleman that, was that I guess went to his church that he got saved in, walked back and forth in front of his house. He was out on the porch. And he can kind of tell this guy was struggling a little bit. And he said, when the guy came by the last time, he just took a deep breath. He could see the the shoulders raised and let him down. He shook his head and he came over, walked up the sidewalk and went to pastor and says, Jesus is what you're looking for. It's Jesus. Crown of rejoicing is speaking, Charles, Jesus is what you're looking for. Now, I know with pastor's testimony, Mr. Bill Trujillo has passed away. But this is the wonderful thing about heaven. Is that every person that pastor touches and leads into the kingdom of heaven, Bill Trujillo gets another crown. He receives another crown. As my wife and I were pastors, were student pastors at a church that we were at for many years, I can't help but to think about some of the young people that came through our ministry that went on and, and became pastors, music ministers, and things of that nature. And I, I can't help but to think of the rewards that may await Laura and I when we get into heaven. So it's important to understand this crown of rejoicing. It's a um, crown of rejoicing. Let me read this to you. This is a quote. Is our reward where God will, well, this is, this, this is not a quote. This is, this is something that takes place when we stand before the Lord, when we get before the Lord. When we're in church and you feel an overwhelming presence of God, for me, I, my eyes begin to well up, my lip begins to quiver, my hands begin to tremor a little because I'm just standing in the presence of a king. I'm standing in the present. I know that whatever I'm dealing with at that moment, he is working on it. He is, he is working on my behalf. And I'm just like, God, thank you. But as I look up to him, he wipes away my tears. He takes away all my sorrows. He removes my burdens because the former things have passed. I'm now standing anew. I have a new outlook on what was behind me. Behind me no more exists because the presence of God is removing those barriers, those boundaries, and I am free. I am free to rejoice and say, thank you, Lord, for being an overcomer, for me being an overcomer. 
Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice always in the Lord. I say rejoice. And in that, we shall receive the crown of rejoicing. The third crown, crown of righteousness, you'll find in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. The word says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The crown of righteousness is a crown where the believer is ready and waiting for the return of the Lord. This is a season. It could happen. Rosh Hashanah, going into Rosh Hashanah, we could see the rapture. The rapture could be coming upon us very soon. I can't help but to think about the parable in Matthew 25 of the ten virgins. Five with oil, five without. I can't help but to think that the five without said, wait, I've got to go back and repent. I've let kind of the world creep in. I've let it kind of creep in a little bit here. I, I need to get some oil, man. I, I need to get some anointing. I need the Holy Spirit. That's what that represents. That oil is the Holy Spirit. Well, so we got to be ready. Pastor shares a story about a gardener. There was a tourist over in Geneva. And as the, the tourist was traveling around, he saw this magnificent mansion. The thing is just glorious in itself. But there was this majestic, beautiful garden about the property. And the man saw the gardener out there working in the garden. And he decided, I'm going to go up and talk to that guy. So he went up and said, hello, sir. He said, how long have you been tending these gardens? They're absolutely beautiful. The guy said, 30 years. He said, 30 years? Yes. How often do you see the owner? I've only seen him two times. You've only seen him two times in 30 years? Yep. He says, well, I guess you keep these gardens tended for him to come back tomorrow. He said, no, sir. I keep these gardens tended as if he's coming back today. Today. What does your garden look like? Remember, the heart is a metaphor of the soil. Remember that parable of the soil and the seeds that fall on hard ground, rocky, weeded ground, packed ground, good soil. What does your garden today look like? Are you ready? Are you ready? This crown is for those who have lived a pure life and is ancient, 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 ancient for the return of the Lord. We are excited to know that any minute in this season that he can come and we could be brought up with him. Amen. Do not find yourself following God from a distance. Live like he's coming back tomorrow. The fourth crown. This is a crown of life. First James 
verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trials because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let me say that again. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When I read that, I can't help but to think a couple years ago about Pastor Larry and Tiz concerning Lion's situation. Think about the test that that was. And then to add insult to injury, then we have Tiz dealing with her health problem. But I know that Pastor and Pastor Tiz, they, they represented the kingdom of heaven in such a way that we continue to see a righteous behavior in them. And we saw that they were, they were very strong in the Lord. What I wrote down was that they had a very strong belief in God. Now, this is something that we should, we should also work on ourselves. A strong belief in God, a strong trusting in God, a clinging to God. You remember when pastor said he prayed till he couldn't pray no more? He stood till he couldn't stand no more. But what did he do? Stand, stand, withstand the test. It's only temporary. It's only temporary. Also, we saw them continuing to obey God's word and trust in the Lord. Great examples. That family is great examples for us. That's why we're here, I'm sure, many of us. But understand that it is blessed the man who perseveres trials. It goes on. We must learn to to proceed in God's plan for our lives while we are enduring, just like they did. They proceeded, following God's word, doing God's will. Pastor came and still fed the sheep. He did not pull back. He pressed in. Great example. All of us should have that. Revelations 2.10, concerning the crown of life. The word says, do not fear any of those things which are about, that you are about to suffer Indeed, the devil is about to throw something at you that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation 10 days. I didn't get a chance to stop and study why he said 10 days. You know, there's a secret there, as Pastor always said. Why, why 10 days? Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So just know that the enemy is out to cause us trouble. We know that. We all know that. I have a testimony about Laura and I dealing with the tribulation. In November of 2015, uh, I became really, really sick, but it wasn't a sickness that you would think. And I'll back up first. In August of that year, late August, early September, I had a bad motorcycle crash. And I sustained a severe brain concussion. Now, one time in my life, up until that moment, I had a career racing motorcycles. So I had sustained minimal amounts of concussions. I had, that was my fourth concussion. So fast forward into November, I'm having these excruciating headaches. And I'm just thinking, man, it's just that time of year, you know, you're thinking of the allergies and migraine headaches and all that. So I was self-medicating. I'm taking everything in the world to kind of relieve me of these headaches. 
Well, there was a Saturday we were looking at a piece of property, and I'm finally like, man, I got to go home. I told the Lord, we got to go home. And, and it, my, my headache was so bad, I couldn't even find my keys, and all along they are in my pocket. That's how disoriented I was. I just was in bad shape. So I went home, and I laid in bed from Saturday through Tuesday. And Lord goes, man, that's not my husband, because I'm not like that at all. I'm up and moving all the time. So she called uh, my general practitioner. We went and saw him. He did an examination. And the whole time, I'm like, hey, I just need migraine medicine. I need my." He said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to get an MRI. So on Wednesday, we go get an MRI. That very afternoon after the MRI, and they gave Laura the film, they're like, you need to take him to the hospital. They didn't say why. They said, get him to the hospital. So we go to our little local hospital over here in North Richland Hills, and we go in there. And by this time, I am in so much pain, not to where I'm crying out or anything, but it was so much pressure. And they put me in the emergency room, and I'm like, man, I can't wait till they give me something for this. And the ER doctor came in about 20 minutes later and says, hey, I'm sorry, but there's nothing we can do for you here. Laura's like, what? No, we've, uh, we've got an ambulance on its way to come pick him up. We're sending him to the neurological hospital over in downtown Fort Worth. And Laura's like, well, I'll drive him. And he's like, no, we're not doing that. They're not going to do that. So from that moment on, and as I was being gurneyed out of that hospital, the nurses and, and the staff there, it's kind of like they were waiting for me as I go through. They're like, man, good luck. Good luck to you. Because this was pretty serious now. I mean, this is requiring brain surgery. This is what this required. So, of course, on the sixth day of my tribulation, and Laura's, because Laura, she's she's a mighty woman, buddy. Let me tell you, she was really right there with us on this, as she should be as my wife. But on the sixth day, I go in for surgery. Surgery went well. Four days after surgery, the Lord rose me up out of that sick bed and gave me the ability to walk out of that hospital after having major brain surgery in four days. I was released from the uh, intensive care unit. I was taken out. I was able to leave from the intensive care. Normally, they move you and they take you into another area for a couple days to evaluate you, make sure you got your motor skills. Your Because this thing could have affected my motor skills, my vocabulary, unable to really speak. Because, I mean, they're working on your brain and your vision. Of course, um, again, God blessed us with, instead of spending, you know, 30 days in occupational therapy, I was only there 10 days. And I was back to doing what I need to do. Now, I've got a real sexy scar on the top of my head. It's like, wow, what happened to you? But we went through a challenging time. That was probably one of the most challenging. We've had challenge with finances. We've had challenge with children. We've had challenges with church people in the ministry. We've had our challenges. We've had things come against us. But you know what? We continue to be faithful. When we, when we stepped down from the church that we were in, that was one of the hardest things we did. But it was a season that it was time for us to go. But we didn't take a break. We did not not go to church. We continued to press on. And we went to visit other churches, just a handful. 
And then the Lord placed us in a little church where the senior pastor uh, left that church to a bigger church and they didn't have a, a head shepherd there. So we helped the elders manage the church for a season. And then the Lord brought us here. And I'm thankful that we're here because you're true family. We're very blessed to be here with you. So what I'm getting at more than anything is that we're going to have challenges. We're going to deal with a lot of tough issues in life. But know that God is on our side. I can't help to say that God will lift us up. Isaiah 41.10. He will lift us up. That scripture, the entire scripture. He will lift us up with his righteous right hand. We rest in the wings of the God most high. I love Psalms 91. I love it. And those are the things that help us overcome the adversities that we will experience in this life. So when we get to heaven, we stand before Christ and he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You ran your race. You were faithful to your call. You used your gift to its fullest. I'm very proud of you. My crown, the crown of life. Amen. The fifth and final crown. It's a crown of glory. It's also known as the shepherd crown. You'll find it in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 through 4. The word says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, do not be greedy for money, but be eager to serve, not lording over the people that he has entrusted to you, but let me back up. Sorry. I blew that scripture. Let me start from the top. I'm so sorry. And I know they're taping this and they're going to put it out there. So I want to make sure it's be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be not greedy for money, but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. This crown represents pastors, the elders, the teachers, the leaders, the help ministers. But it also goes beyond that. Home group leaders, people who operate in all sorts of forms of ministry. You are setting yourself up to receive your crown of glory, utilizing your gift, helping a pastor, helping in the helps ministry, door greeters, ushering. Uh, in the church that we were in, we were in a, uh, a big healing ministry, uh, ministering to those people who are in need uh, even though we weren't really necessarily a part of that service at times, but God sees our heart. He sees our heart for the people. One of the greatest achievements that we can experience in heaven, one of the greatest experiences, think about this, one of the greatest experiences we can experience in heaven is to know that we fulfilled our calling and we finished the work of the Lord. 
Think about that. That's one of the, when we stand, that's one of the greatest experiences to know that we have achieved everything that we were called to do. Because, you know, everybody has a life story. And in that life story, some of us decide to write it ourselves, which we find the mess. And some of us walk out the very story. When he looked in that book, he says, oh, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And as you adhere to the Lord, listen to the still, small voice, spend time in prayer, be a part of a church body, find your place where you can go and be a valuable asset for God. There's no job greater, no job lesser. They're all the same. They all have tremendous value. And in walking that out and stand before the Lord, you shall receive your crown of glory. In 2 Timothy 2.15, I'm backing up a little bit. I want to read this over you. It says, do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Amen? Give God your all. Live your life to the fullest for the kingdom of heaven. And you will receive the crown of glory. One thing I want to mention to you. I want you guys to think about. Many of you may already be doing this. But we're going into the season of renewing our home groups. And the, the Lord pressed upon my heart that we who have been coming here should really consider, really, really consider about becoming a part of some group, some group that speaks to your heart. Because we're coming not just to hear a word and feel good. We're coming to learn to apply the word. And what greater place to get started as in going and helping support a home group somewhere and, and help, if nothing else, encourage the, the leaders of the group. Laura and I belong to a group. We've been with them from the day they started. And in our hearts, we wanted to come alongside this couple and help encourage them. And, and they do a wonderful job. They do a wonderful job. And so I just encourage that you think really hard about becoming a part of something like that here in the church. Many of you have, their, uh, have your other jobs and positions in here. But I, I think that the, 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 the getting down into the roots of the church, getting in with the people, and taking what we've learned here and begin to apply it in those groups, we're going to see great fruit. Also, when we go into these groups, in my heart is, looking for other couples or a, a, another person that has a gift to do a group themselves and just plant a seed and encourage them, hey, you might consider doing this because as we multiply and multiply, and keep this in mind, when we reach out to those people and plant a seed, think about the people they may impact for another crown for you when you get to heaven. But listen to the still small voice have the discernment, but be aware of the people that are around us for the kingdom of heaven. Encourage them. I would have never in my life seen myself standing in front of a group of people teaching the word of God. Because when I got saved, I was in my mid-30s. I wasn't the kind of guy that was living for the world, but I was in business and I was always striving for that next level of success. 
I, I wanted to be the best that I could be doing what I was doing. As I said earlier, I, was, I always competed in the motorcycles, which gave me great training as a kid growing up. And so I just had this desire. And a lot of it has to do with my upbringing, but I had this desire. But I met Laura. And one of the stipulations in dating my wife was I go to church. So I went. The church I went to was a non-denominational Pentecost-type church. And when I walked into that church, I was like, what is going on? But I saw something in Laura that I was very much attracted to. And it wasn't just her looks. It was that something special that I'd not seen in the other people I dated from the world. So I knew that it's important. It was important. So I stuck with it. I persevered. About seven months into this going to church with Laura, maybe close, maybe too close to a year, the men in the church invited me to a men's breakfast at a golf club. At a golf club. We went to the clubhouse for breakfast. And then that day, we had a speaker. He was a radio evangelist. His name was Dan McBrayer. And he always, his claim to fame was the seven spirits of the Lord out of Isaiah 11. And he made an a altar call in this little breakfast room. And I got up. And he laid hands on me. And he spoke the seven spirits of the Lord over me. And I was out. I thought that was fake as fake can be. But I got, I was out. And God did a work for, to me on that day. He worked on me that day. And I know that I know that I know that if it wasn't for her and that man, I wouldn't have the opportunity to come and share with you like I am today. Amen? Amen. So anyway, I thank you. Bless you. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will bless us and keep us that you will make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us, and that you'll lift up your countenance and give us peace. Father, let these crowns, these five crowns, resonate in our hearts as we leave this place this morning. Let us be aware of the things that you have for us to do, that still small voice that just calls us out. Let us move mightily. And that our lives are like a tree planted by the streams of living water, that our leaves nether wither, and that we produce fruit in every season, and that wherever we may go and whatever we may touch, it shall be blessed. I thank you now, and I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.